And so, you know, what does it take to get something out of the practice? Uh, that's the wrong question. It's like, what can you give to the practice? And that's how you got to show up. It's like, what do I have to offer to yoga today? <laughs> you know, like my total devotion, my complete attention to my breath, my bandha, my drishti, that's all I've got. And let's see what, what comes from that. Hey, welcome to Space Case, a rocket yoga podcast. I am Elsie Yogi. Month by month, case by case, we are exploring the personal histories of yogis around the world, sharing the practice created by Larry Schultz. Though we are just beginning this journey, there's no doubt we are tapping into some powerful light as we move forward. Each case is a completely paradoxical intersection of unity without uniformity and diversity that cannot exist without community. So here's how this works, a series of questions, one special rocket yogi every month, behind the handstands and the hashtags. We are here to seek out the origin stories, the philosophies, self-practice approaches, individuality, creativity, and more while we hear how rocket yoga is embodied in one unique space case. All right, so samasdidihi. Let's take a listen to the case history of Steve Pika, co-founder of the legendary Ashta Yoga of San Francisco, beginning with his rocket yoga origin story. Well, I mean, if we're, if we're really talking about the origin, <laughs> uh, it, it goes back to 2003. And I, uh, I was out at a bar. And I met somebody who had also just moved to San Francisco and he was taking a yoga teacher training. And we were talking and he said, you know, I need people to practice with who are new to yoga. I had never done yoga. So I said, of course I'll volunteer. Sounds interesting. Uh, I, I wasn't really interested in the yoga. I was more interested in spending time with this person. Uh, but he, he was actually coming over just to teach me yoga. And so he came over to my apartment and and put me through a practice and I had no context for it. I just did whatever he was asking me to do. And it was, uh, it, it was an extraordinary experience because I really was seeing just the ability for my body to, to do things I never really considered. And uh, that was it. That was, we got through the practice and I was soaked in sweat and, we went our separate ways and he finished his training and he moved back to Boston. And I went back to, you know, whatever I was doing at the time, which was not yoga. And then in 2008, five years later, I had tried out some classes here and there. Uh, and I actually lived right by Larry Schultz's studio. It's yoga at the time. And I passed by 
every day on my bike coming home from work and I just see this place with the big awning that said it's yoga and Larry's blue PT cruiser convertible parked out in front, the it's yoga license plate. And I just thought it was such a strange name for a yoga studio, but I never thought about going. And I was out at a bar one more time. I always cross paths with yoga at bars. And I met uh, Renee, who would become my husband and my partner at Ashti Yoga. And uh, we just got to talking and our relationship started pretty much from zero uh, that night. And he had a few requirements for somebody he was going to be in relationship with. And one was the person had to do yoga. And I wasn't practicing and I had tried it before in the past, but I was totally open to doing it uh, if that was going to get me into this relationship. And so uh, I came to his class that week. Uh, it was a modified primary series class. And it was very light, very approachable. I had a very good time doing it. Uh, but I had no idea what was in store for me because the next day was a Rocket 3 with Larry. And the modified primary, there were probably 10 people in the room, maybe 12. Uh, and then the next day, Rocket 3 at 4.30 on Friday, the room had about 120 people, all of them extraordinarily capable, and, and people were flying. And I had no idea what I was doing, but I knew right away that I had been here before. And so I, I just got in touch with uh, this teacher, Peter in Boston, who is now teaching forest yoga. And I asked him, who did you do your teacher training with in San Francisco? And he said, I did it with Larry Schultz at yoga. And I said, well, here I am back at yoga doing the rocket. And I met Larry that night and I, I just fell in love right away. And I, I had not been looking for yoga, uh, but, but yoga had been looking for me because uh, it, it came to me exactly when I needed it. And so that was kind of how it all started. Can you imagine showing up that Friday in 2008? Wow. Steve's case history is kind of a big deal. And it's very special to have a student of Larry Schultz here to share a first person account of this experience. For those of us who have experienced our local Friday afternoon happy hour, the contagiousness of this enthusiastic celebration of yoga is no surprise. And it's essentially undeniable that this came from a powerful source. I asked Steve to say more about this transformative experience. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I... It wasn't my first time doing yoga. It was my first time liking yoga. And I had, you know, tried uh, Bikram and that was too hot. And then I had tried another uh, studio close to my house. And it must have been a restorative class. I had no idea, you know, the variety of styles of yoga or that I could seek out something that was more in line with my interests and abilities. But uh, you know, I, I walk into a class and we're on bolsters, under blankets, someone's playing the harmonium and singing. I won't deny that that's a, a powerful experience for a lot of people, but, but for me, it wasn't what I needed at the time. Um, 
so I, I just I just figured yoga wasn't for me. And then when I when I got into the rocket, I I was totally lit up uh, because I was strong. And I think the rocket, you know, Larry always said, the rocket would bring men back to yoga. You go into any yoga studio, or you look at you know the the often cited yoga journal study from 2008, three quarters of the people doing yoga are women, which is fine, but why aren't men doing yoga? And I think the reason is it, it just seems so off-putting and it, it gets too uh, ethereal and new vibey for people. And, and when you do rocket, uh, and this is something Larry also said too, that the men get more flexible and the women get stronger. It's a very balanced practice that actually asks you to explore the end range of your capabilities in terms of strength and flexibility. It's, it, there's no nonsense, but it's also fun and playful and you can do things that other people aren't doing. You can really be in your own practice in a group setting. And so uh, th there was so much to it that I, I wasn't even aware of was a part of the yoga experience. And so that became evident right away. And, and another piece of it is that it found me, essentially. I wasn't out seeking yoga. I wasn't looking for spirituality. I, I was definitely miserable. Uh, and and the, I think the most terrible part of that at that time in my life when I was 28 was that I had absolutely no reason to feel that way. Uh, and so <laughs> I was just looking uh, to to shift, you know, just change my life somehow. And, and and the way that you approach it, if you're approaching it from the the mentality of misery, is you just shift all the externalities. You never look within to say, well, is there another way to see this? Is it possible to change from within? And so for me, that path was quit my job, end my relationship, move out of my apartment, apply to graduate school, you just change all that. But, but at the end of the day, if, if I followed that path, I would have been in exactly the same place in a matter of time. Uh, and so, you know, the, the first yoga sutras, now is the time for yoga. And I, I think Larry loved Osho and Osho, uh, has a great commentary on the yoga sutras and, and he he expounds on this particular sutra and he says you know that the real essence of that is that when when you're in total despair and you've given up hope <laughs> there's no more future and so all of a sudden in in the you know the pit of your despair the maximum of your misery this beautiful thing happens where you're totally in the present because there is no more future. You're right here in it. And so that is exactly when, you know, the transformation can come to you. That's when yoga can show up in your life. So, you know, you've, you've got two people out there doing yoga today, two kinds of people. You've got people who are doing it because it's, uh, it's fashionable, it's exercise, it's a, a way to be with your friends, doing some group activity. But then there are the people who, who found themselves in yoga without looking for it. Uh, the, the, the spiritual practice of yoga, the deeper aspect of the practice uh, showed up in their lives because they were truly ready for it. And, and I think that's a, 
still a very small minority of the people who are practicing. That's not to say that uh, those are the only people who yoga is for, uh, but, but I think a, a practice, especially a practice like rocket yoga, uh, the reason you don't see it uh, in so many places is because it's still one of those, those really deep, pure, meaningful practices that, that resonates with people who are really at a place of profound transformation in their lives. And uh, if, if that's not where you're at in your life, uh, the practice kind of pushes you back out the door off to some of the more superficial, you know, love story type practices that are out there. And, and that's really, you know, valuable. I, I don't want to say that it's not valuable, but I, I would say that uh, if you're not ready for strong medicine, don't take it. There is no doubt that this practice is an opportunity to create profound transformation in your life. Steve describes a shift in perspective that the practice offers those of us who come to yoga in a pivotal point in our lives. Sound familiar? Yes, this practice is strong medicine. And it may not be for everyone, but when it is embraced earnestly, it can change your life. And we'll be right back to Space Case after a quick thank you to our sponsor. So who turned you on to Rocket Yoga? Wouldn't you like to thank that person and give them a big old podcast high five? How about that intensive that you're doing? Why not share the word? If you have a rocket shout out or some kind of event information you want to share, I delightfully welcome you to do so here. These are all accepted by donation. Uh, yeah, I like coffee and tea and, well, I'm kind of eyeing that next 50 hour and, okay, just kidding. But really, I could probably use a better microphone. And better yet, um, why not just help me share this podcast? Like, rate the podcast five stars on Apple and leave your shout out there and I'll read it on the next episode. Deal? Cool. Looking to sponsor? Just hit me up at lcyogi.com slash space case. This month's shout out is a dedicated, talented, esteemed, and delightful Rocket Yogi who sponsored this incredible interview with Steve Pika. She may not have wanted me to mention her name, but I appreciate her too much for that. So thank you very much to Bren Michael at Yogi in Nature on IG. Bren is an outdoor lover, rocket yoga facilitator, and hands down, feet up fanatic. She is dedicated to sustainability and you can follow her at brenmichaelyoga.com. I've had the privilege of taking Bren's workshops in the lovely rocket city of El Paso, Texas. And wow, she is an inspiring technician and I learned so much from her. As this borderland rocket community is our little sister city over here in the LC, I will pay her shout out forward to the El Paso rocket yoga scene, lovingly held down over the years by El Paso rocket yogis, Jesse Caraballo, AKA Ohm Slice, and Kat Mark, owner of Hot Box Yoga in El Paso. Yes, check them all out, friends. What else can I say but thank you? 
And now, back to Space Case. So, where were we? Ah, yes. Our very first first-person case history of Larry's teachings from Steve Pika of Ashta Yoga in San Francisco. Are you with me here? You know how big this is, right? To quote Biggie Smalls, well, if you don't know, now you know. This case is truly, hopefully, one of a few select histories where there is a longer-term perspective on sharing the practice in a community. From a source, by the way, who has seen it grow over time in his city and across the world. If you're new to the practice, less than a Saturn cycle, say seven years from what I've heard, you might be surprised what this practice looks like across a decade uh, or more. And it might not look the way you expected. Here's more. You know, the, the yoga is just a means by which you share the essence of your being with someone else as a teacher. And so, you know, for, uh, for people who used to come to its yoga, uh, a lot of it had to do with the practice, you know, like the, the, the rocket practice is just exhilarating. It really takes you out of your head. It puts you in your body. You always leave feeling better than when you came in. But then there was another piece, which was that you just wanted to hang out around Larry. <laughs> you wanted to do that no matter what. Like, at least for me and, and the people I know from back in the day, uh, there, there was just something uh, that put you at ease being around Larry. I, I know this one woman, Lee, she spoke at a, a memorial service we had for Larry in 2011 uh, and we had over a hundred people in the room and everybody took a turn to share some memory of Larry, some experience from their past. And this woman, Lee, who's just such a buttoned up, you know, type A venture capitalist, like just a very serious woman. She said, I just loved coming to It's Yoga because Larry was just so carefree and irresponsible. It was just such a, a breath of fresh air from the world I'm in all day long. And so, you know, Larry's sitting around the studio. Uh, most likely he's totally stoned. <laughs> you know, and he's just there like hanging out and, and living and, and, and really enjoying life and enjoying the, the freedom that yoga has, has given him and this community that he's built with the least amount of effort. Uh, so, it, you know, like, that's kind of what we do at our studio. Like, we really create a space where uh, people can genuinely relax and uh, you know, even if they're not coming for the practice, uh, maybe they're just coming to spend time around us. And so it's important for us to be relaxed. It's important for us to live the yoga. Uh, I just, I used 
way, way back in the day, I uh, went to college to become a teacher, a high school math teacher. And I taught for a few years before I moved to San Francisco. And I just started teaching again. And the first day of class, two weeks ago, I'm sitting with the kids. And one of them turns to me and, and he's like, he's like, man, I don't know what it is about you, but I feel so calm right now. It's like, it's like you're doing some voodoo shit on me. <laughs> so, like, you know, that's, that, that's just who we are. And that's who we've become through the practice of Rocky Yoga. Um, so, you know, sharing the teachings of Larry Schultz, it's not always, you know, conveyed directly. A lot of it is indirect just as, as who we're being and, and who we've become through doing this practice and, and supporting uh, a community of rocket practitioners for 10 years, which, you know, has not been easy at all. Um, because, you know, we're, we're in San Francisco and the rent is high and it just keeps going up and uh, new studios are always opening up here and there, two blocks away, two blocks this other way. There's new studios, like everybody's got a yoga studio in their neighborhood, if not 10. Um, so we're just holding true to this one thing we do and that we love and it's, you know, rocket yoga and the, the state of mind that it creates, which we believe is uh, unique from other kinds of yoga. And there's something about it that uh, keeps people coming back year after year. Uh, and, you know, I, I think Larry was onto something uh, and, We've been able to keep it going. And what I see around the world is it's growing. And, and what I love, what I really love is that people make uh, a, a pilgrimage almost to come to our studio here in San Francisco and, and to meet Renee and me. Uh, and and they, they come from all over the world. And when they come, like they feel at home. Uh, because what we've done, I think, exceptionally well we've kept it really in its original format. It, it really hasn't strayed far from what we were practicing with Larry at his studio on Folsom street. Uh, I think a lot of, uh, you know, and Larry offered this, Larry allowed for people to be creative uh, and, and do the practice in their own way. And so a lot of people have gone out and they, they learn rocket and they teach something that, that has diverged significantly from the, the sequences that we were practicing at its yoga. We've kept it very, I, I don't want to say pure because it's not like this was discovered on some palm leaves in a Calcutta library, you know, like it's all made up, it's all made up. And so, uh, even though it's all made up, we've kept it very original. Uh, and I think people appreciate that. And, and you know, we, some people came in from Canada and they were like, oh, wow, like, this is just such a different rocket. Like, th is this really how rocket is done? I'm like, well, how do you do it? <laughs> like, well, we do, all, we do all the same postures, but we do it in 50 minutes and the room is 95 degrees. And I'm like, well, that sounds terrible. But God bless you for, for keeping up the practice there. You know, I, I, maybe that's how it needs to be done in Canada. But the way we do it here, we, we go very slow about it. 
the room is, you know, 78, 79 degrees. Uh, and, and we do not so much talking. We really let people be in connection with their breath and how they feel and, you know, let, let the process unfold uh, in its own time. Could you talk more about the type of people that you think Rocket attracts and maybe what unifies us at some level? What are we all searching for in this practice? <laughs> well, I, you know, I think everybody's on a spiritual path. I just think some people know about it and, and most people don't. Uh, in, in another, you know, set of teachings Larry was fond of, of Course in Miracles, and, you know, it's Course in Miracles, you know, foundationally puts forth this idea that you don't get to determine the curriculum. You just get to ter determine the rate at which you learn it. And so, you know, the, I think the practice of Rocket Yoga is attracting a, a very diverse uh, group of people to it. But maybe a, a similarity uh, in the, the taste of people for Raka Yoga is, is coming from Larry's experience with Ashtanga. So you know, the whole creation of Raka Yoga was a response to Larry's experience practicing Ashtanga for seven years with Patabi Joyce. Uh, and I think he found it to be too rigid. Uh, he didn't appreciate the hierarchy. He didn't believe in the the guru disciple relationship uh, because he really felt there there was an equality among all of us. And you know, he he talks about this a lot. Uh, this idea that the teacher and the student are on the same plane, and so the idea that you would have to be authorized to teach the idea that you would have to master something in an arbitrary sequence before proceeding to something else, even when that something else was something that came to you at ease. Uh, th these were just concepts Larry was not appreciating in his experience. And so uh, he really opened up the doors of Ashtanga to people who, uh, didn't necessarily respect authority. Uh, people who were rebellious, like you said. Uh, people who were interested in discovering what Larry often called the inner teacher. And, and so, you know, there's this idea that the guidance we're seeking is coming from within ourselves. And we're just so caught up in the thinking mind that we're not receptive to that guiding voice from within. And so, you know, a big part of the practice for Larry wasn't the poses. And he, he would often say the poses aren't that interesting. And I agree. <laughs> Un unfortunately, the postures have become the only interesting thing about the practice for most people because we're in an era where uh, you have social media and, and you can gain a large following of people and, and feel something about yourself when people pay attention to you in that way, where you show off what you're capable of doing with your body. But Larry really didn't care about that. The, the postures were a means to get to the, the deeper yoga, which was 
you know, the, the second yoga sutra, the restraints of the modifications of the mind stuff. What, what, what is yoga? It's a state of mind. So you can get to that state of mind if you're stiff. You can get there if you're injured. You can get there if you're weak. Because it was all about the breath for Larry. So the, the postures created an opening for the breath and the prana, the life energy that was flowing in and out with that breath to touch you at a deeper level than you ordinarily experience in your life. So uh, I think, you know, in the third and fourth generations of rocket yoga, people are getting away from the essence of what Larry was all about in this practice. Um, and it was just connecting with the breath, connecting with the wisdom of the inner teacher, uh, not seeking without for guidance, for approval, uh, for authority. You know, people come through the rocket training and they want a certificate and they want the yoga alliance hours and they want all this and that. It's like, well, you know what? The authority has to come from you. You have to decide that you are, in fact, qualified to teach and that you, in fact, would love to share what you've gained from doing this practice. And that's it. Full stop. Larry was teaching these trainings before there was a yoga alliance. And he often would sit around and say, you know, someone... Someone's going to make a killing one day when they create some organization to police these trainings. And it's true. That's what's happened. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that makes it clear how I feel about the Yoga Alliance. Because uh, I don't know that it's offered that much in the way of um, really facilitating the sharing of yoga. Um, is it, it, you know, it again imposes another power structure on the system uh, that, that's benefiting a few people at the top. Uh, but, you know, again, like it, this is another, you know, we talk about what attracts people to rocket yoga. <clears throat> when people call me up and they say, okay, well, I'm going to do this training and what do I get? Do I get 50 hours? Do I get, do I get a certificate? Am I authorized? To I say, well, this isn't the training for you. That's how I know. If you want to come learn from me, come learn from me. You know, like, come share the space with us. Come see the studio. Come spend some time in San Francisco. Come do some yoga. Come hang out. Because that's what the trainings with Larry always were. It was hanging out with Larry. All, all the insight you got from Larry was outside the practice. If you really understood him as a person, if you watched how he ate, if you watched how he drove his car, if you walked with him down the street, if you saw how he interacted with people who had been a part of the It's Yoga family, that was the yoga. So now people want to use the yoga to get themselves somewhere. And so that, that's a complete misunderstanding of what yoga is for. So I think the the people who come into Rocket, understand Rocket and stick with it, they really understand it at that deep level, which is that none of the stuff that's come up around yoga has anything to do with yoga. <laughs> yoga is just about a state of mind, a way of being. It, it's all in the philosophy of yoga, which, which Larry really, you know, distilled down to its essence, which was relax, breathe, go with the flow. Can you say more about that spectrum of classical to innovative when your student comes up to you and says, can I try this? Can I do this? You know, 
how do you respond to that? What more would you say about creativity in the practice and and how that plays out for you? Practice and and how that plays out for you? You know, I, I think creativity is just freedom of expression. And uh, I used to be in awe in 2008, 2009, just watching what people were capable of uh, at its yoga. But, but what I see people doing now in 2019 is just so beyond because people are very affected by what they see. So, uh, you know, I, I am wholly supportive of people doing the most extraordinary things with their bodies in the practice. I will never get in the way of somebody just working on whatever it is they want to try out. And, and I understand that, that mindset because I once had it too. And you just want more. You just are, are deep in the craving for more. And you can do this one thing, so you want to do another. And you can do these two things, so you want to build them together into this amazing vinyasa sequence. And it, it's, it's great, but it's only going to get you so far. <laughs> so, you know, the, the first five, ten years of the practice for anybody might, might be very infused with that ambition to just do more. And, and you know what? Go for it. it. It's a celebration. Like, have fun with the practice. But I think ultimately what you get to after you, you know, really get deep into the practice and have an understanding about what, what it's really all for, you let all that shit go. You really, you really don't have to do that much to get the most out of the practice. And so the practice, you know, uh, what I see as a teacher, I see people really like just their faces are turning purple just to try to get something out of the practice. But the practice is really about what you can give to it. And so creativity uh initially for people seems to be about doing more having more complex postures and transitions but i think ultimately what it evolves into is doing less uh, and doing it more mindfully and doing it with without losing the connection to the rhythmic ujjayi pranayama and i think that's creativity creativity becomes about uh, healing and nurturing the body and respecting its limitations uh, and, and honoring what is uh, instead of being in a position of uh, looking at the body as uh, not enough and pushing it to do more uh, because that, that becomes very competitive and even narcissistic and uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, and Larry, Larry was just so disappointed. I think, you know, like, uh, I remember sitting around with him. He, he just got an iPad. And he loved his iPad. He couldn't believe how cool that was. And he would watch YouTube videos, uh, former students of his who were showing off all the things they could do with their bodies. And they, they were giving demonstrations. And he was like, what, what is this? What, what is this showmanship that's going on in yoga right now? Because, you know, Larry never, I never saw Larry practice once. 
Really, I never saw him practice. I don't, I don't doubt that he practiced, uh, but, but in a training, he wasn't demonstrating how to do poses. Now you see somebody sitting in a circle, in the middle of the circle, somebody's teaching. And, and I've done this too. And they're, they're showing you things that you're never going to do. <laughs> it becomes a show. It becomes a show. Uh, because, you know, like, that's, that's not what it's about. Uh, but, but if that's like your, if that's what you trade on as a teacher, uh, then, then yeah, like you go on tour and you put on the show and, and a lot of people are coming into yoga now and they've got well-developed physical backgrounds, uh, from gymnastics, from dance, from martial arts, but they weren't making any money in, in dancing or martial arts. And so they're like yoga. People are paying a lot of money to learn about yoga. And so they're trading on it as yoga. Great. But the, the yoga I learned from Larry was when we sat down in the circle and just hung out and talked about, you know, the, the deeper aspects of, of what's really going on in the practice. And Larry defined it. Larry defined Ashtanga Vinyasa Yoga as the science of sequencing breath, bandha, and drishti to create transformation in the body, the mind, and the spirit. And so, you know, what does it take to get something out of the practice? Uh, that's the wrong question. It's like, what can you give to the practice? And that's how you got to show up. It's like, what do I have to offer to yoga today? <laughs> you know, like my total devotion, my complete attention to my breath, my bandha, my drishti, that's all I've got. And let's see what, what comes from that, you know? And I think that's, that, that's a mentality that's lacking. I think people come in and they're very demanding. They want to get. And so the, this, this greediness people have, it's not serving them. But, you know, that maybe that lesson isn't ready to be learned yet. So people want to go along the path of injury, the path of most resistance. And so they push, 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 push until they totally break down. And when they break down, they find out, ah, yoga can be very healing and therapeutic. And so that's when the wisdom of the practice really starts to come through the cracks people have put into the foundation through all the effort and strain. Um, so, you know, creativity has many ways of showing up in the practice. And, and depending on where you are and in the life cycle of your yoga practice, it's going to show up in different ways. But, you know, for us, we welcome all of it. We really do. And, and I think I used to be much more uh, of an asshole uh, uh, with people who were just really going outside the bounds. Now I just let people figure it out for themselves. You know, now we just hold the space for people to go through their process in their own way, because I can tell you where to put your foot. I can tell you to you know, relax the effort a little bit. I can tell you all these things, but it doesn't matter what I say to you. It, it's got to come from within for you to really hear it. Uh, and, you know, I've had this experience of, of telling people so many times, so many times, bring the elbows in, bring the elbows in, all the chaturangas you do in the practice, bring the elbows in. They never hear it. They're not listening. They figure I'm talking to somebody else. And then one day, some other teacher says bring your elbows in and then they're like oh my god this totally transformed my practice i brought my elbows in in the push-up and i'm like oh good for you good for you you know <laughs> it's, it's just 
I've learned to say less and let people figure out more. Uh, and, and that's where creativity really comes in because uh, if you have to be told how to be creative, then that's not creativity. What is your self-practice schedule? Hmm. Uh, well, I can tell you this past week I practiced twice. <laughs> Physically, physical asana practice, I practiced twice. Uh, because I just started a new job teaching high school and I also run the studio and Renee has been out of town, but he's now a full-time student. So I've got a good team of teachers at Ashta who are helping me out and uh, the community is so tight that the studio runs itself. There's probably 30 people who have keys. Uh, you know, I, 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 I used to be very uh, dogmatic about my own practice and how often I was practicing. And it had to be you know, five days a week. Uh, I never practiced on the weekends, but we, we definitely always showed up to it's yoga Monday through Friday. I will say that uh, we would often take Thursdays off. I don't know why. That just seems to be the culture in yoga to take Thursday off. Uh, <laughs> you know, definitely Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Now, Larry's rule, uh, he said, make sure you practice at least once every three days. So he was essentially asking people to practice twice a week at a minimum, just at a minimum. If you can show up twice a week, show up. Now I do a lot of things outside of, you know, getting on the mat and going through a full rocket routine uh, to keep myself healthy. Um, but, you know, like for me right now, because my life is going through a transition where I've added on, you know, 30 extra hours of work a week. Uh, I'm not practicing as much, but I'm also developing an understanding of, of the, the busy lifestyle that people have. I've been sitting at the yoga studio, hanging out, smoking joints, you know, cleaning the windows, teaching classes, going out for coffee uh, for, you know, eight years. Uh, and now I understand these people who, you know, have really challenging jobs and they work all day and they still make it in for practice at 4.30 or 6.15 and then they go home and relax and have dinner and spend some time with their families. Uh, so, you know, I'll get back up to it, uh, but I, I, I don't punish myself <laughs> at all for, for how, how little I, I get around to practicing. But I, I would say typically for me, it's important to practice at least three days a week. Um, if I go more than that, uh, I, I feel it. I feel it. I feel it more than physically. I feel it mentally. Uh, and you know, if, if I start to get, uh, miserable and, and on edge, like then I know, and, you know, I'm overdue for practice mm -hmm. because it, it shouldn't get to that point for me. Um, so that's, you know, what I, what I hold myself to. Uh, I think a lot of people, uh, who are new to the practice and, you know, I would tell them exactly what Larry said, just try to come at least once every three days so you can get the hang of having the routine of yoga. Once you've practiced for 10 years, really consistently, I think you have a, a bit of freedom to practice when you feel like it. 
and and the people who um you know are are hung up on the the I need to practice six days a week well shit maybe they do uh I don't feel that <laughs> way you know it's like you know, it it it's this it's this thing where it's it's got to feel like something you want to do it's always got to feel like it's it's a commitment and a choice uh when it starts to feel like an obligation uh or a duty it becomes something very ugly and you know we don't want to see yoga becoming this thing that people feel like they have to do because they don't have to do it. Nobody has to do yoga. That's the craziest idea out there that you have to do yoga. I'll be uh, with, you know, somebody who is uh, a member of our studio and we'll be out in public and we'll run into one of their friends and they're like, oh, this is Steve. He's my yoga teacher. He owns Ashta Yoga. And you totally have to come. And I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. You really don't have to. Don't feel like you have to come. I really don't want you to have any kind of obligation to come just because your friend said you have to come. I, I really, I never push it. I never tell anybody to come because if somebody had told me that I had to come to yoga, I never would have done it. Uh, I think yoga is best served in the way I received it, which is when it's time. And, you know, so for, for showing up to the practice in the first place, it's good when it happens organically and for, you know, self-practice when you have time and, you know, don't, don't beat yourself up over it if you don't have a lot of time or, you know, take breaks when you need them. I think people need more rest than they're aware of. I think people these days are pushing themselves too hard. I, I see a lot of people, at least in this city, working 60, 70, 80 hours, not to mention the you know, two hours of commute time each way to Silicon Valley on a bus. So, you know, like whenever you got time, come on in. That's why we have classes all day long every day. <laughs> You've met a lot of people. I think you're pretty central to the genealogy of this community. And so I would imagine you've met a lot of really amazing folks who are out there sharing the practice, but like to give the opportunity for you to share folks that you might be interested in spending more time with or connecting with that are also out there around the world, because it's, as you mentioned, uh, been several generations of, of expansion of, um, of these ideas and, and this cool practice. So the question is, what rocket yogis would you like to meet or study or practice with? You know who I really want to meet? Uh, a few people. <laughs> I want to meet Bob Weir. I want to know like the, the real story of how Rocket was created. And I want to hear about his time on tour, learning yoga from Larry Schultz. That would be amazing. Uh, I mean, Bob Weir is the original Rocket Yogi. Uh, I would love to, and not Rocket Yogis necessarily, I would love to meet the people like uh, Danny Paradise. Uh, and I met Tim Miller, but we didn't talk very extensively. Like these people who were in the practice room with Larry when he was learning from Patabi Joyce, uh, 
I would love to know their story and, and their impressions of Larry because, uh, you know, this is a person I met late in his life and I didn't spend a lot of time with him. So, you know, any, anytime I can learn more about him, uh, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, and then everybody else who, you know, is still involved in teaching what they learned from Larry, I've met all of them. I've practiced with them. Um, so, you know, and, and they've come through our studio and they've taught at our studio and they're always welcome to teach at our studio. Uh, so, you know, I, I think, uh, I'm lucky to have, you know, come in when I did and made all the connections with the people in this extended family. Uh, and I think, you know, as far as who I want to meet, it's, it's all the, <laughs> the younger generation of Rocky yogis, because I want to, you know, really present uh, the teachings uh, as I receive them. You know, I really want to instill the, the message of, of Rocket Yoga, um, not as like this intensely physical, competitive, out there practice, but as something that was really intended to just help people, you know, just live a more relaxed life and be less miserable and you know, have a little more fun. <laughs> My next question is, what are you working on? And this could be in the practice or just in life in general. Um, I think it's always helpful to, to hear what, what folks are doing with their yoga. Mm, well, you know, right now I'm working on teaching high school math. <laughs> That's absorbing a lot of my, <laughs> my mental real estate. Um, but we're about to celebrate 10 years uh, of being open this October. Um, so we're, you know, working on, uh, that celebration and, uh, the studio just feels really good. It's, it's got a lot of, we've got a lot of the people who used to practice at its yoga still practicing with us after 10 years. And we've got new people coming in every day who are, you know, out there in the yoga world and not really finding, anything that resonates with them and then, you know, having their minds blown when they come to Ashta. Uh, so we're, you know, working on keeping the studio going and expanding its reach. Uh, we've got a yoga retreat in Mexico we're having in November. So, you know, creating opportunities for people to, to take a vacation uh, in, in the yoga lifestyle way. Uh, what else are we working on? We really, we really have largely stopped doing 200 hour trainings because, uh, you know, we, we have a great one, but, you know, people want to go on vacation to somewhere tropical for a month these days. So, <laughs> and I don't blame them. So we're not having any of those here. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll see where this all goes. Uh, but, you know, something I'd really love to do is put together uh, a really good manual for uh, our rocket training. Uh, it's just, I, I, I haven't felt like I've come upon what that's going to look like just yet, but I, I'm definitely living in the question on it. And, uh, you know, I only want to deliver something that's excellent 
Uh, and I haven't seen a good one yet, honestly. I, don't, I haven't seen anyone produce anything that's, that's really uh, capturing the essence of rocket yoga. So, uh, and, and it might be out there, not to say it's not out there, but um, I'd love to do one just for the purposes of our own training and to make that available uh, to the public and especially people who come to the studio every day and who, you know, come in, do their practice and leave and might not understand the, the richer history and context of, of what it is we're doing and, and the, the message that we are carrying forward. So there you have it, the preservation of the practice in the birthplace of rocket yoga. The way Larry shared the practice, the legacy of that ongoing rocket community, highlighting what rocket yoga is actually for. Supporting a way of being, a way of living, a space where creativity is freedom of expression, freedom to be ourselves, and over time, a true investigation of sustainability in modern life. The community that originated before the Instagram where students can have their own experience with the inner teacher and deepen their connection to relaxing, breathing, and going with the flow. I especially like Steve's quote that yoga is best served when it's time. The invitation exists at Ashta Yoga not to just take it up, but to rest to take rest a true invitation to do less a perspective on nurturing this practice over a lifetime it's compelling to consider the intersections between generations of rocket yogis and we are fortunate to bear witness i asked steve to let us know where we can find him and to give us his final parting thoughts where can we practice uh, with you and tell us more about how we can connect with Ashta Yoga? Well, you can always come to Ashta Yoga. We're open just about every day of the year except for Christmas. And, uh, you know, what all we're doing is Rocket Yoga. We actually do have a Mysore program early in the morning. Uh, so people can connect with the, you know, more traditional roots of Ashtanga. But throughout the day, we've got rocket classes. They're pretty light in the morning. The 4.30 class every day is the, the powerhouse with all the regulars. And then 6.15, we've got the, the after work crowd and another strong class, a lot of great teachers. You know, over 20 opportunities to practice rocket yoga every week. Uh, we have two rocket trainings a year, typically in February and August. Uh, and hopefully next year we'll have one somewhere that I'd love to travel to. Uh, who knows where that'll be. <laughs> and then this November we have a retreat, just a very chill retreat, some rocket classes down in Punta Mita, uh, just north of Puerto Vallarta, that's November 20th through the 24th. Uh, that's almost sold out. Uh, I cannot wait to go. I'm actually missing a, a few days of school to go down there. Uh, 
And then, you know, check us out on our website, ashtayoga.com, A-S-T-A-Y-O-G-A.com. Uh, and uh, we're on social media. We're not the most uh, prolific. <laughs> we don't post very often. But uh, ashtayoga SF on Instagram and uh, Facebook. And uh, that's where you'll find us. And then, I, you know, I'll leave you with one last thing, uh, which, you know, is just a, a beautiful moment. I always remember uh, we, were, we were sitting in a cafe down the street from our studio with Larry. It was Renee and I. And Larry just looked at us and he said, you know, just remember this. He's like, you're either in love or you're in fear. And that's it. <laughs> and, that, and that's really it. That's really it. That was like the, the whole essence of, of Larry's teachings. This is what he wanted to share with people. Uh, you know, like this, this fact that, that love is just the, the state we're in. It's all around us. It's there all the time, but, but we're in our heads and we're stuck in fear and we've got to do a lot of unlearning, a lot of uprooting, a lot of letting go of the, the habits of mind that keep us from experiencing love and, and the guidance that comes from the inner teacher. Uh, so, you know, Larry was a, an amazing friend, an amazing teacher. Uh, he inspired uh, a movement that's going strong and growing every day. And, and we hope, you know, more and more people will find out what we're up to and uh, join our revolution. Thank you, Steve Pika from Ashta Yoga in San Francisco. We're so grateful to have your case history. And I am so grateful that you reached out and it has been uh wonderful as it always is to just recall the the wisdom of our teacher and that concludes case two you've just heard steve pika of the legendary ashta yoga of san francisco he is just one of the amazing rocket yogis that have compelled me to docify and capture these case histories. Congratulations on 10 years, Steve and Renee. Congratulations, Ashta Yoga. I am filled with gratitude for the openness you have shared with us in this special history. Your story brings light on the practice and offers us an invitation to connect with the richer message you carried forward as you have nurtured this community over the years. So to all the listeners, next time you're in the Bay Area, I highly encourage you to make your pilgrimage to this sacred space and join the revolution. Please join me next month for case number three. Our list is growing longer, but I'm definitely going with the flow. You know, so let me know who you want to hear from. I mean, I am just in love. I am in love with sharing this practice and hearing other rocket yoga stories has really helped me. And I believe it's helping 
all of the people in my community who are practicing. And, you know, I think we all need a little help here. We all are learning to work on fear in this world. So if you think this podcast can help someone you know, why don't you share it? And uh, yeah, go ahead, rate it. And like I mentioned, that's a super cool way to leave some other Rocket Yogi a shout out. And please don't shout out to me, right? I get enough airtime here, but someone special that that you want to recognize. And don't forget to uh, subscribe. Yeah, just push that little subscribe button because this pod is now available absolutely everywhere you can listen to podcasts. Spotify, Apple, Google, of course, on Anchor FM. And actually on that site, you can actually leave us a voicemail that we can play on air. So go check it out and uh, keep the ideas coming. Whose origin story do you want to hear next? What rocket yogi in a far off land are you following that you want to learn more about? There are many more stories to come and I am all about that. So at me, I'm Elsie Yogi. If you like this, please share it. Share this podcast and um, check it out. LCYogi.com space case. And don't forget, click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Again, this is Elsie Yogi signing off from episode two of Space Case, a rocket yoga podcast. <laughs>